Mountaintops in scripture are made for low valleys. You and I are supposed to grab a glimpse at mountaintop so that we can go into valley and be different, right? And so now the, the disciples are charged with don't build something, enshrine what you've heard in your life, right? And then build a life based on that, right? Build a relationship, build a community, be a catalyst for transformation in your community. Mountaintops are made for low valleys. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Welcome home, Bishop! Thank you. Glad to be back with you. Yes, I'm glad you're back. And yet I had an incredible time talking with a few folks from the Diocese of Atlanta. It was pretty great. I listened to everyone. Really? Yeah. And just what wonderful people we have in the Diocese of Atlanta. I mean, clergy and lay, you know, young and seasoned. Yeah. We just got great folks, man. And they did a wonderful, wonderful job. So if you haven't listened, folks, I just commend the last four weeks. I mean, just good stuff from folks just around the diocese. Indeed, they're pretty great. Well, this week you wrote a devotion and you named it Witnesses, and it's based off Luke's accounting of the Transfiguration story. Chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the mountain. And you really highlight the importance of prayer in it. Yeah. So, Want to say more about how this well-known story might be hitting you differently this time around? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a wonderful thing about the relationship with Scripture and stories in the Bible is, is that, you know, the stories stay the same, but you change and you see different facets of them as you go along in life, as, as you become sensitive to different aspects of things in your own life. And so I've, I've always, however, uh, sort of been struck that this amazing miracle, Jesus's transformation, um, transfiguration happens uh, as he is doing something really mundane and average. And that is he just gathered some friends and said, Hey, let's, let's pray. I'm going up the mountain. I need some, you know, I need some uh, reflection to balance all of the action, right? I need some, I need some silence and some space, uh, you know, to dialogue with all the running around that I'm doing. So he goes up the mountain to pray. And, and it's amazing, you know, that's the thing about spiritual practices, while we continue to invite people to, to get out in nature, to walk, to be quiet, to meditate, to be still, to say your prayers, to read your Bible, to do all the mundane stuff. Because it's funny, that's, that, that's where the magic happens. That's where the shifts happen. You know, uh, water dripping on a rock changes rock, you know, and, and prayer dripping on our souls change our souls and change our lives. And so Jesus just did what he always did. Let's just, hey, guys, let's get away and have a prayer. And in the mundane thing, God does something magnificent, right? And so Jesus is transfigured. He's changed. And we get all these wonderful ideas about what happened on the mountain that day. His clothes turned white. His raiment, it says, turned white. Uh, you know, he got, uh, he got his, uh, his summer outfit, you know, he got his, his pre Labor Day outfit. It was totally, totally white outfit. He's changed. He also hears God's voice break in his disciples, you know, get to hear that this thing is happening and that Jesus is somehow unique in God's eyes. This is my son in whom I am pleased. This is my son 
uh, listen to him, uh, the voice says from the clouds. So it's prayer, uh, I, I think, and, and prayer looks lots of different ways. It's not just the folded hands or the kneeling beside the bed as some of us were raised. It's not just in church. It's just that time that you set apart to just check in. I like to say, check in with headquarters. And so, <laughs> and so, and 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 so, when uh, the the folks pray, and when Jesus is pray, uh, Jesus prays. Jesus doesn't. Also, it needs to be said. Expect uh, microwave popcorn. Sometimes we pray like we're we're doing working with a spiritual slot machine. You know, we're putting in a little time, a little energy, and we expect you know the gumball or the Powerball ticket. You know, the winning Powerball ticket just because we've done that. That's not how prayer works. Prayer is listening to God first and foremost. Prayer is speaking to God, and prayer is a place to be honest. Uh, radically honest, more honest than perhaps you're, you're, you are any other place in your life. It, it is to be able to talk about your stuff with a, a, a loving God who loves you and already knows, right? But there's, there's catharsis in saying to God, God, I see that my ways are off center. I see that I'm askew of even who I say I want to be. Help me. It's a place to cry out for help. And it's a place to be changed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because uh, Jesus was transfigured. Jesus was changed. And yet we focus so much on the tr- transfiguration of our Lord. We, we often forget, and we are not often. Sometimes I think people overlook the change that the disciples had. Yeah. The experience they had. And so I'm struck by mountaintop experiences and how they will often give us new perspectives or lenses to see things through. And yet, I think we often come down off the mountain and revert back to our old ways. And so do you think there's a secret sauce to leveraging the power of mountaintop experiences? <laughs> you know, if I had it, I, you know, I put it in a New York Times bestseller here. And I, <laughs> I'd, I'd be talking to you from, you know, from the Bahamas or something. Now, I, I don't think there's a secret sauce. I think there's just, a, it's tried and true. There's some reality here. There's some some paradigms we need to pay attention to. You know, the disciples uh, uh, have this sort of experience. They are witnesses. To God is doing something. God breaks in. God is in reality in a new way. God is audible. God is palpable. And they're like, wow, right? And what's interesting about the disciples' response to God doing a new thing in Jesus and them seeing their tradition affirm, affirm because Moses shows up and Elijah shows up also. And so Jesus, as he is uh, transfigured, as he has changed, he's affirmed by all the generations that went before him that he is going the right way. That is, he's radically living for God. And that is the right way because these two wonderful patriarchs, a patriarch and a prophet, show up and, uh, and affirm him. But what the disciples do sometimes is often what we do, and that is they want to externalize the thing rather than to internalize it, right? So they want to build three booths on the mountain, right? I love Episcopalians, you know, and lots of other folks, but what we always want to do is build something, and that's fine. That's fine. Don't get me wrong. Thank God for those people who built wonderful shrines where people can go and they're still sacred spaces. But, but what God seems to want in Scripture is for you and I to build something with our lives and our hearts. And so, you know, they want to build the booze and distill this mountaintop moment. They want to sort of wring out of it everything that is possible. But mountaintops in Scripture are made for low valleys, right? You and I are supposed to 
grab a glimpse at mountaintop so that we can go into valley and be different, right? And so now the, the disciples are charged with don't build something, enshrine what you've heard in your life, right? And then build a life based on that right? Build a relationship, build a community, be a catalyst for transformation in your community. Mountaintops are made for low valleys, right? When Dr. King said in 1963 in August, you know, I, I have a dream and I, you know, these are the mountaintop moments, et cetera. That was to send people back uh, to the South in particular and other places into systems and say, now having had this mountaintop moment on the mall in Washington, where it was so clear now go back and be that. Go back and do that. So, so don't you know externalize your mountaintop moment, right? Internalize it, right? And then go out and let it be enshrined in your flesh. That's that's one, right? But we've got to remember that you know all of God's high and lifted upness, if we want to use that sort of a phraseology, is also for the least and the left behind, right? So if we've seen God at all right? Uh, it, did it touch you in a new way? How did it touch you? Because that will be borne out uh, uh, as you interact with the least, the left, lost out, the, the least, the left behind, and the lost. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Uh, gosh, all of that just just struck in me a, a chord because I I was thinking about what uh, wondering about what creates a mountaintop experience. Like I know you can go to the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like like the like the disciples did, and yet I'm wondering if there's something in us that can can fuel or welcome or invite our ability to see God differently. And I, I keep coming back to prayer, Bishop. Yeah, it is prayer. It is prayer because I, I think you, you can go to a mountain, but that won't necessarily give you a mountaintop experience. And oh, by the way, let's say this, uh, a mountaintop can happen at the lake uh, it can happen in the walking park. It can happen in the dog park. It can happen as you're walking in your neighborhood. You know, neighborhood. It can happen while you're cleaning out your attic. You know, it, it, it's 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 any of those places uh, or occasions and experiences where we somehow catch a glimpse. And the funny thing about catching a glimpse uh, of God and hearing God's voice and 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 knowing that you know that you know that those fleeting moments when you know that you know that you know. Uh, is they happen anywhere, and there's not necessarily anything you can do to create it. It happens to us and through us and with us. Uh, Jesus actually didn't even create the moment. He didn't do anything other than do what he always did, which was go to that space called prayer. But you and I can pray, God, here I am. I sure do need to hear from you. God, break in. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a closed loop. I'm just circling a, a cul-de-sac in my life. You know, I'm on the gerbil wheel, God. Won't you just break in? I sure need to hear you. I'm available. That's a very dangerous prayer to pray and, 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 and a prayer that I would invite people to pray. Hey, God, just want you break in. I, I'm, I'm open. I'm open now. I need to be open. Help me to be more open. But just come on and break in. In the car, as I'm in, in you know, 
uh, in the traffic. We've got wonderful spiritual uh, endeavor here in Atlanta called traffic. You know, <laughs> you, can turn, you can turn off the radio and say, here I am, God. I'm just sitting here. I've got a 30-minute drive. Just need to hear from you. We can do that. We can do that while I'm taking a shower. You know, we can, I mean, the, the, the possibilities are personal and, and innumerable. Uh, if God is everywhere at all, at, all, at all times, we can say to God, I'm available. I think that's what Jesus does bring to the mountaintop is, is uh, a radical availability always. Here I am, spirit, break in. Just give me the cue. And, and I would say to people, it's not about the mountaintop. I was just at the shore at the beach with my, uh, with my wife. I mean, getting up early, right, uh, before the clamor of, of, of everything and just getting out to the water. Um, you know, uh, being a witness to God uh, has a lot to do with being caught up in the wonder of God. Uh, and so, you know, what makes us witnesses is that we we somehow settle on the fact that nobody is like God. You know, I, I like it when Scripture says, "Who is like you?" Right? And the and the witness gets to say, based on their life and their experience of God, nobody, nobody. When I think about you know the emerald green water down at the Gulf of Mexico, when I think about the manhole cover size stingrays I saw. When I think about high tide and low tide and, and, the, and the pulsating sort of rhythm of things and that it, it was before me and it'll be after me. And uh, when I think about how the sun came up and the sun went down, I had nothing to do with it. I, I beheld it and was somehow held by it. I say, there's nobody like you, God. Who has an imagination like God? Who can work through somebody as broken as me and as broken as other people? Who can do that? Nobody but God. That makes us witnesses. And so when we start thinking in those terms, it's amazing how the wonder connects me to being a witness, because then wherever I show up, I bear that in my flesh that, wow, I just know somehow in my mind, in my soul, that nobody is like God. And that makes me a witness, right? Because then when I go to the meeting, when people sort of want to foreclose on possibilities or foreclose on people, now I'm a steward of the fact that hold on, wait a minute, folks, God can do anything, even beyond spreadsheets, even beyond organizational limitations and structures, even beyond, you know, the limits of finances. God is still God and nothing is impossible for God. The disciples must have walked away from that thing saying, wow, this Jesus is somebody, y'all. We got we to take a second look at this thing because God just broke in to a mountaintop prayer meeting and did the extraordinary. <laughs> and that's the power of witness, right? We can share that. And, and yet I'm struck by compartmentalization because I feel like that's what they did. You know, I, I just experienced a mountaintop experience. I like, I just... We went to the It's All About Love Festival yeah. in Baltimore. And Bishop, oh my goodness, what an incredible experience for so many people. The people there that I talked with were just so jazzed. Their hope and um, their joy were renewed. And there are so many people I talked with, I mean, even from my own church, who were on fire and want to do things differently. And yet I sense, it's like two weeks later, I don't know. I'm a little like, okay, what are we going to do? What are, you know, it's, it's like fizzling out, right? And I wonder if it's because we have such this great propensity of just compartmentalizing things 
and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, maybe it's who to be about it, not what to do about it. Maybe it's who, who to be about it. I mean, I, I think this is, I think the disciples, you know, I love the disciples all through scripture because they are us, whether we like it or not, you know, they're, their, their foibles are our foibles, you know? I mean, they, they, they want to know what to do about it. I mean, this immense thing just happened in their midst, what to do about it, which is a legitimate and wonderful, faithful question. But, you know, again and again, Jesus says, you know, more about what, it, what do you want to be about it? You know, I mean, if you can u- use that sort of phraseology. Um, you know, I think witnesses is also about community. I mean, what you experienced was that where one or two are gathered, you know, there am I. I think, you know, even, you know, to confirm Jesus's witness and to maybe encourage Jesus, um, you know, Moses and Elijah show up. So I, I think part of being witnesses is, is finding your fellowship group. Um, I, I think sometimes we get, uh, we unwittingly, you know, sort of take up self-isolative behavior. We, 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 we find ourselves out in the wilderness by ourselves. And the wonderful thing about witness is, is that, you know, witness really gets encouraged when we're together. Right. And so so we've got to pay attention to that. So who are your two or three folks? Who are your prayer partners? I mean, I think what I I think I like about our Christian tradition, our spiritual tradition is it keeps calling us beyond ourselves. We keep wanting to make Jesus our personal savior, if I can use that kind of language, when Jesus is savior of the whole world. And so if savior of the whole world, then you are my sibling. I'm your sibling and I need you. I can't go it alone. There's radical interdependence in the Christian walk. And so um, I think that's sort of what we, what we be, if I can use that language again, before we, you know, what I do. I think, um, you know, you've got to find some people who you can pray with. And I mean, really pray with. One of the most transformative, transfiguring moments I ever had, I'm not sure I've said this before, on the podcast was when I was a brand new bishop and I went and uh, we were, there was some brand new bishop meeting and there were some senior bishops with us and we were broken out into groups and uh, we were asked to sort of talk about what was really going on with our own lives. And I remember one bishop, a senior bishop, bishop of many years, really decided to share his heart and about the broken nature of his relationship with his child. And I was so struck by that because I had you know, become part of the problem. I was, I knew how to give a manicured sort of version of life. But but this bishop decided to really bear witness to the brokenness of life intimately uh, and, uh, and requested prayers. What a witness. And he changed me. He changed me uh, in terms of how I view those spaces. These are not just meetings to get through. These are not just sort of meetings to, to give your glossy Facebook side to. These are when we get together, when the, when, when the followers of Jesus get together, there's something available to us. Uh, and that is to bear witness uh, to the, the nails and the thorns and the cross, as well as the resurrection. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I have to thank God for that bishop's witness because he witnessed to the power of what real community can do. And it's real community is a place where you can bring your full self and, and think about this world now and, uh, and think about so many of our young people deciding uh, to die by suicide. I mean, one of the reasons they're deciding that is because they, they don't think that there's a place for them where they can be themselves. 
right? And one of the things that being a witness for Christ does is that it, it makes you the leaven, the catalyst for community where people can come and bring their selves, uh, their ups and their downs, and we don't have to solve their problems. We can be with them. Uh, and by that, we bear witness to an enduring God who is the lover of our souls and all of our blemishes too. Well, Bishop, thank you for your witness. And listeners, we're grateful to you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.